You know, um, the Bible is a book about reconciliation. It's all about reconciliation. And that is an awesome, awesome word. And so today I want to talk to you from the Word of God and just let the Scripture speak for itself that uh, reconciliation is upward between God and man. But also reconciliation is outward. Reconciliation between people, between man and man, woman and woman. Reconciliation, reconciliation toward God, with God, but also reconciliation with each other. Now there are a couple of scriptures that just make it clear that God is the God of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 and 19, now look for the word reconciliation. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. I want to stay there a moment. He didn't reconcile us to the church. He didn't reconcile us to our good works. He didn't reconcile us to some angel. He didn't reconcile us to some saint. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. The words, reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Say that with me. Reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, now don't miss this, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not charging their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Again, in, in Colossians 1, 19 through 21, it talks about how God reconciles us to himself through Jesus Christ. Talking about Jesus, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him, Christ, all the fullness should dwell. And it goes on in the next verse and says, And by him, Father said, all the fullness is going to dwell in Jesus. And by him, to reconcile all things to himself. By Jesus, by him. Whether things on earth or in heaven. Now listen to this. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. The way God reconciled mankind to himself was through the cross. And by the way, do you notice the cross is there? He reconciled the world unto himself by the blood of his cross. And so God is in the reconciling business of reconciling us to him through Jesus Christ. But he's also in the business of reconciling us to each other. And that is a serious matter. We read in, in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Now, I want you to let this sink in, okay? Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, so it's time to give your offering. In, in the Old Testament, it was many a things, you know what it was. But when you bring your gift to the altar... 
And there remember that your brother has something against you. So you're ready to give your offering. But the Holy Spirit reminds you that your brother has something against you. So what are you supposed to do? Leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled. There's that word. To your brother. And then come and offer your gift. So God is the reconciler. He's in the reconciling business. And he reconciles us to himself through Jesus Christ and his blood. He reconciles us to each other through Jesus Christ and his blood. Now, the first thing I want to address today from the scripture is exactly how God reconciles us to himself. It was a plan born in eternity. But how does God reconcile sinful man to himself? How does he do that? You've got to realize God is holy, holy, holy. And we are sinful, separated from God by our sin. Well, how do you take the hand of holy God and put it in the hand of sinful man and they become reconciled. They become one in their union with each other. How does God do that? Well, he, God had a plan. It says in the scripture that I read earlier in 2 Corinthians 5, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. All right, so God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. What happened to the scriptures? They're not on the screen. Or either I'm gone blind. I don't see nothing. There you go. But it's not on my computer up here. And those things in the back are blurry. Well, we're going to get there. Uh, all right, I guess I'm going to have, okay. All right. That, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not charging their sins to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, so reconciliation is through Jesus Christ. It is through Jesus Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So reconciliation with God is in Christ. Now, all right, first of all, I just want to show you the exalted view of Christ that is found in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. It is an exalted, uh, in, in Colossians 1, 15, excuse me. Look what it says. God reconciles you and he reconciles me to himself. He reconciles every human being who will trust him to, to himself through Jesus Christ. So clear. Who is Jesus? He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones are dominions, are principalities and powers. And it says of Jesus, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before, Jesus is before all things, and in him 
everything is held together. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. God is the God of reconciliation. Jesus Christ, the Son, is the one who, through whom God reconciles his creation to himself. God the reconciler, God the reconciliation, Jesus Christ the reconciler. Now, do you realize how desperately we need to be reconciled? Yeah, I mean, do you realize that? I, I, I had a book in my study years ago, one of the many that I have never read. That The title got my attention, though. Whatever Happened to Sin? It was written by a psychologist. He said, people used to talk about sin. He said, I don't ever hear anything about it anymore. Whatever happened to it? Well, i tell you, i tell you what happened to it. It's still going on. You understand? And we still battle temptation to sin all the time. But look, look how it describes us before we were reconciled to God. All right, here's holy God, and here's sinful man, and how is God going to bring us together? We were in bad shape. Listen to what it says in Colossians 1.21. And you who were alienated and enemies in your mind, it says, listen, you were alienated from God. You were his enemy in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Even though you were alienated, even though you were enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled. All right? And then in Romans 3, 9 through 18. Now, I, I, you know, I, this is not fun to read. But, but I'm telling you, it describes the condition of the human heart who has not been reconciled to God. This describes the human heart who has not been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. What then shall we say? Are we better than they? Not at all. We have previously charged that both Jews and Greeks, they are all under sin. Now, Jews... A race, but Greeks represents Gentiles. Gentiles. Anybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. Okay, and so uh, that we've said before that both Jew and Gentile are under sin. And then he writes it out. He just describes this, and it's always disturbing to me. But I know it's true. There's none righteous. No, not one. Are you trusting in your righteousness to reconcile you to God? Forget it. There's none who really understands. Without Christ, you really can't understand. There is none that really seeks after God. How many lost people do you know living in this world whose minds are alienated by wicked works that are really seeking after God? They don't even know how to start. They have all turned aside. We have all turned aside. They've all together become unprofitable. There is none that does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. And the poison of asp is under their lips. And that just describes, and there's another verse, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Think of all the cursing and bitterness that we hear in every form of media, every form of uh, everywhere we go, full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. You ever heard of abortion and mass killings? Destruction 
and misery. Wow. I thought unbelievers had fun. I, I thought they really enjoyed it. Maybe for a season. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. Uh-oh, this is the end result of sin. There's no fear of God before their eyes. They live like God doesn't even exist. They live as though God will never, be, will never give an account of ourselves to God. Now, that's where we were when we were lost. We were going our own way, alienated uh, by, from God by wicked works in our mind. And really, we were not living our life in the fear of God. We were lost and we just didn't, we never even gave God a thought about, well, am I responsible to him? Am I accountable to him? What does God think about how I'm living? And it says, there's no fear of God before their eyes. Then one last verse that shows you why we need to be reconciled is Romans 5, 10, and 11. For if when you were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. We were enemies. <clears throat> we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, how? Through Christ, his blood, we shall be saved. You say, Brother Fred, that paints a pretty dark picture of people who are lost. I can identify it. I can identify with it. My mouth before I got saved was full of cursing. And, 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 and I don't know about bitterness, but it's full of cursing. And I didn't have, I, I wasn't living in the fear of God before I, I was born again. Huh. And that's just the way lost people live. But I'm telling you, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And I'm telling you, we need to be reconciled to God. And the only way we can be reconciled to God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what was God's plan of reconciliation? How did God choose to reconcile us to himself? He said, well, build some big buildings, get together, sing some songs, listen to an entertaining speech, and then go out and eat and spend the afternoon nap. Is, is that what God, is, is that the way it means God planned to reconcile us to himself? Absolutely not. Heavens, no. He said, well, you just go out there and do a lot of good works. Just do a lot of good works. That is not God's way. Okay, let's just see what was God's plan of reconciling us to himself. And it's found in, in, uh, in Colossians 1, uh, 19 and following. I want you to look at that. For it pleased the Father that in Christ all the fullness should dwell. And goes on to the next verse. And by him, all right, now wait a minute. It pleased the Father that all the fullness would dwell in Jesus. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or in heaven. Here it is. This is the basis for reconciliation. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. <clears throat> so here's holy God. And here I am and you are sinful man or woman. So God says, I'm going to reconcile them. But Father, how are you and your holiness ever going to be reconciled to us in our sinfulness? He said, I'm going to make peace. 
And the way I'm going to make it is through the blood of the cross. And so that's why we sing about the cross. That's why we sing about the blood. Because that's the way God reconciles everybody. Nobody is ever reconciled to God except through the blood of his cross. And you go on and read in um, the next verse. And you who were once alienated in enemies your mind, yet now has he reconciled. How? Through the blood of his cross. All right. Then I want you to look over uh, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy. So Jesus comes and through the blood of his cross, he, can, he, he makes it possible for us to have peace with God, for that gap to be bridged and that we can be one with Christ. And he did it through the blood of his cross. All right, it goes on and says in verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy. Whew, you were wicked and alienated in your mind. Your mouth was full of cursing and bitterness. People swift to shed blood. In the body of his flesh through death to present you. Now when God reconciles you through the blood of Jesus, this is how he presents you. To present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Are you telling me that through the blood of Jesus, when we come and are reconciled to God through his blood... That instead of being alienated and wicked in our mind, God makes us holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If you continue in the faith, there it is. If you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, you're not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which is preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So God has chosen through the blood of the cross, to reconcile us to himself. And you know, I love, uh, you know how many times have I said this. When, you were on, when Jesus was on the cross, you were on the cross with him. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Oh, I am. I am crucified with Christ. So when he died, I died with him. And he not only took our sins, but he took our sinful nature. And so therefore, the Lord laid on him all of our iniquity and all of our sin. For I, I never tire of reading Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6. Written 600 years before Jesus came. The great prophecy of the, of, of the reconciler, Jesus that was coming to reconcile us to himself. Listen to what it says. He is despised and rejected by men. He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Listen, Jesus, everybody ought to love him. Everybody should have worshipped him. Everybody should have followed him. All he did was love people. All he did was heal people. All he did was cast out demons. All he did was... Uh, uh, tell people the way, the truth, and the life. But he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, unacquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. But listen at this. Surely he has borne our griefs. That word is hurts. He's borne all our hurts. He just didn't take our sins to the cross. He took all our pain. 
surely has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But here you go. This is where I love. He was wounded for our transgressions. I've never thought of this before. But when the Roman soldier took the whip with the lashes that had bits of steel in the back and came hard against the back of Jesus so that those bits of steel would rip the flesh. You know what the Lord said to me? Your name was written on one of those lashes. When he came across the back of Jesus, he said he was wounded for my transgressions. Hey, I took this for you. I took this for you. Did you know your name was on one of the lashes? When he was wounded for our sin. He was bruised. They plucked his beard out and slapped his face. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. Did you know those bruises on the body of Jesus had your name on it and had my name on it? He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. And written on the stripes are your name and my name. It meant that we could be healed from our sin, our sicknesses. And by his stripes, we are healed. He goes on and says in the next verse, All we like sheep had gone astray. That's us. We had turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, the Father, laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. So when Jesus went to the cross, I was there with him, and all of my iniquity was placed on him. That was the only way I could be reconciled to holy God. Sinful man can never be reconciled to holy God as long as he is in his sin. But once his sin has been paid for, once the blood has been shed, and for he has received the forgiveness of God, then, then at that point, that's when reconciliation can come. And that's when healing can come. So we're talking about the fact that God is the reconciler of man to himself. And through Jesus, he accomplishes the reconciliation. You know, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, he made, him to, to, he made him who knew no sin. Jesus never sinned. Now, hey, let me ask you this question. I, I've really never thought of this before. You've thought of it many times. Jesus never sinned. So he was absolutely perfect. Not one sin had touched his body. Let me ask you, he was the last Adam. If, Jesus, if they had not crucified with Jesus, would he have ever died? No. No, he'd, he'd still been alive. Because you see, sin had no claim on him. The wages of sin is death, but he'd never sinned. And so therefore, if they hadn't crucified him, and it was never God's intention for Adam to die. Him and Eve were never supposed to die. They were created in his image, which is eternal. And you know, Jesus would have, he could have just gone right on living. And he'd still be alive today. 
if they hadn't put him to death on the cross and shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. And so the Bible just plainly, clearly says that Jesus Christ became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Can I, um, I call it the great exchange. Here I was, here you were, separated from God, without God, without hope, spiritually blind and spiritually dead. But in his mercy, God, by the Holy Spirit, convicted us, removed the blindness from over our eyes, and we realized who Jesus is. We realized, we realized that he took our sin on himself. But that's not the main thing, but that he took Christ's righteousness and put it on us. I mean, my heavens, here I was in the tattered garments of my righteousness, which was filthy rags. Jesus took it away and washed our sins away in his blood when we repent and receive him by faith. And he took that away, and he, that old filthy rags righteousness of ours, and he placed on us the perfect righteousness of the Son of God. Let me tell you this. If you're a child of God, you are robed this morning in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, that's wonderful, Brother Fred, but it came at a great cost. It came at a great cost. It came at a great cost. Jesus shed his blood so you could get rid of your filthy rags of righteousness and you could be uh, dressed in the glorious righteousness of the Son of God. Paul gave up everything because of that. He said, I've been deceived. I was trying to keep the law, trying to keep the law. And I was first, I was number one in my class. But he said, I want to tell you one thing. When I realized that my righteousness did not come by me keeping the law, but when I, I realized that my righteousness came through the blood of Jesus Christ, I gave it all up that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. God is the reconciler, and Jesus is the one through whom he reconciled. And it's all through his precious blood. It's all through his death on the cross. So I just want to read about four or five scriptures about the blood of Christ, and then I'm going to talk about being reconciled to each other. 1 Peter 1.19, I'm just going to read this. But with, we were redeemed not with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, but we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as the lamb without spot and blemish. Revelation 1, 4 through 6. I love this. Jesus, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is Jesus and was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before the throne. And he goes on and says in the next verse, and from Jesus Christ, who was and is and is to come. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Now I want you to underline this in your heart and I want you to memorize it. Put it on your refrigerator, wherever you need to do. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. One day it hit me. I said, my Lord in heaven. Jesus, you loved me, and you washed me from my sin. But I was so wicked, Lord. You washed me from my sin. 
in your own blood. You meditate on that and look back at your life and say, oh, how glorious that Jesus loved me and washed me from my sin with his own blood. What a glorious, glorious, liberating truth. And he made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Then in Revelation 5, 9, look at what it says. And they sang a new song saying, You're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and you redeemed us to God by your, what did it say? Redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tongue, tribe, and nation. All right, then you go into Revelation um, 12, 11. And they overcame him, the devil, the world, the flesh. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives to death. Then in Ephesians 2, 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, listen carefully, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. How were we brought near? By the blood of Christ. Then you look at Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You know why you can go to God with confidence? You know why you can go into the holy of holies with confidence? You know why you pray in Jesus' name? Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name. For the way we enter in the holy of holies and the way we can come with confidence before God is not by our own righteousness or in good works. We come to the door of the holy of holies and we walk straight in, covered with the blood of Jesus, robed in the righteousness of Jesus. And you and I have an audience with the living God 24-7 throughout eternity because of the blood of Jesus Christ. My heavens. People get upset when you sing about the blood of Jesus. You know why? Because the devil gets upset. It drives him crazy when you preach on the blood of Christ. He can't stand it. He knows that that's what sealed his doom. And he'll be in the lake of fire for eternity. Because Jesus cried, it is finished. It is finished. And all that needs to be done has, has been done. Then there's another verse in uh, Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. It says, all right, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. All right, let's go on to, through verse 22. By the new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil. We can go into the holy of holies, that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Do, by the way, have you talked to your priest this morning? You say, I don't have a priest, I have a pastor. Yes, you do. Jesus is your great high priest. Woo! He's sober. <laughs> you can let that sink in later. And, and he's, he's sober and he listens and he has the power in heaven and on earth to do whatever needs to be done. I do not have a high priest that is impotent and can't do anything. I have a high priest that is high, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, and ever-present, who conquered the world, the flesh, and the devil. And in him, there is victory in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water.
And then I love this one. 1 John 1, 7. He's talking to believers here. He said, just keep walking in the light. (laughs) Just keep walking in the light. He took us out of the kingdom of darkness and placed us in the kingdom of his dear son. And we're not in the kingdom of darkness. We're in the kingdom of light. And we're to walk as children of light. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. And look at this. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let me tell you how it goes. When you get saved, you start walking in the light. And as you're walking in the light, you say something you shouldn't say. Or you think a thought and you receive it and you should not have done it. But guess what happens? The light shines on it. And he says, now if you're walking in the light as he is in the light, when the light shines on it, you just agree with God that's a sin. And I want you to know, you don't ever have to lose fellowship with Jesus because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Did you know you never have to get out of the light? Now, if you sin and don't repent, you're, you just stepped out of the light into the darkness. But if you walk in the light as he is in the light, when he puts his finger on something in your life and you agree with him that it's a sin, you never leave the light because the blood of Jesus Christ goes on cleansing us from all sin. Okay. Now, that's point number one. Now, I want to talk to you that it's repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. You repent of your sins. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I do not. I choose against sin. I choose Jesus. I choose against sin. I choose Jesus. It's repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus, I am trusting nothing but your precious blood. Trusting nothing but your dead on the cro- death on the cross. I'm trusting nothing but your resurrection from the dead. I am not trusting, I wouldn't trust my best five minutes of my life to get me into heaven. I'm telling you, Jesus, if it wasn't for your blood, I would never get in. Now, but let's talk about reconciliation with each other. You see, God, Jesus not only came to reconcile us to God, <laughs> he came to reconcile us to each other. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 Look what it says. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. And you be reconciled to your brother. Be reconciled to him. Don't don't come here to this altar with any bitterness in your heart or any unforgiveness in your heart or any bad feelings in your mind. No, no, don't do that. Just, hey, you've got to get right with your brother. And said, you just come and leave it at the altar and you be reconciled. Go and be reconciled to your brother and, and, and walk in, 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 in unity and come back to the altar. Miss Bertha Smith was, is, was the holiest person uh, that, I, that I've ever known as far as just being holy. She was speeding one time in a town and got convicted by it and turned herself in to the police department. That's conviction right there, you know. How many of y'all ever done that? Nobody. So anyway, let's go ahead. (laughs) But the biggest sin she ever told me about was when her beans burned and she got aggravated at her neighbor for talking too long and she had to repent and go see her neighbor. But oh, this was the one. She said she was standing in line to pray for Dr. Culpepper. 
He was ahead of the mission in, in, in China that the great Shantung revival came. And Dr. Culpepper was the spiritual leader, but he was going blind. And they were in line to lay hands on him and to pray for his healing. And Miss Bertha was there. And she said, as I was standing there, God said, you know that missionary back there behind you in the line? Yeah. You know, you let her irritate you. Sometimes you don't have good feelings toward her. I said, don't you dare lay hands on Dr. Pelpup till you go get right with me on that. And she said she left the line, went and got on her face and said, God, you're right. She didn't know she irritated me, so I ain't going to tell her nothing about it. And she didn't know I was offended by her, but I'll tell you one thing. I'll repent, and I'll refuse that, and I'll never walk in that again. So she went and got back in line. And guess what happened? After they all prayed for Dr. Culpaper, his eyes were healed, and he didn't have to leave the mission field. What if Miss Bertha laid hands on him with that irritation toward that other missionary? I guarantee she had the fear of God on her. That's what she had. So we got to be reconciled to each other, y'all. You say, but Brother Fred, let, let me talk to you about that. You don't understand about a hurt. You don't understand about pain. You don't understand it. I mean, it's easy for you to say that we need to be reconciled to each other. But I'm, the Bible is emphatic, clear about forgiveness and reconciliation with each other. I mean, we have to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And the footsteps of Jesus are footsteps of forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, and be kind to one another. You know, that's a good word for us on Father's Day. You know, you didn't think I knew what day it was. I know what day it is. And I'll tell you, uh, God's greatest gift to a family is a godly husband and a godly father. As the father goes and and if he, if he walks in the footsteps of Jesus and not a perfect man but a righteous man, it's not long till his wife and children will follow behind him. Sometimes a woman has to walk with God for years before he gets right. But when he gets right, things change. And so today I thank God for every uh, man here. We honor you as a, uh, as a father. And, and if, if not a father, as a husband or even as a single man. Godly men are greatly needed in the day in which we live. Godly men. You know, right, right now, I have uh, two fathers. I have one here. I have two, one, two fathers. I used to have one on earth and one in heaven. But the one on earth died in about 1975. Now he's in heaven. But I've got two fathers in heaven. You may have a father on earth and a father in heaven. But if you're a child of God... You've got two fathers, and you'll always have two fathers because even when he dies, if he's saved, he'll be your father in heaven. All right? Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. I like that. I don't want to be hard-hearted. You don't want to be hard-hearted. We don't want to be hard-hearted. I don't like that. I don't like being hard-hearted. I don't like it, being hard-hearted. I, I don't like that word, hard-hearted. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Here's the key, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know what he said? 
But Lord, you don't understand. He doesn't deserve to be forgiven. Or she doesn't deserve to be forgiven. You do not know all they did to me. He said, you didn't deserve to be forgiven either. But I forgave you. You didn't deserve it. But I forg-. It says even God, for, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. They don't deserve it, Lord. You know, he said, uh, but you don't, don't understand. He or she hurt me. They rejected me. I said, uh, they lied about me. They called me names. Uh, and the father says, well, seems to me like Jesus, that they hurt him. And that they rejected him. And they lied about him. But you know what Jesus said when he was hanging on the cross? Do you remember what he said? Father, forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. Probably the person who has hurt you, rejected you, lied about you, brought great grief to your life. Most likely they're lost. And they, all they know is about living for themselves. They have no understanding of what, how words can hurt and how rejection can be. But you see, our forgiveness is not conditional. I'll forgive you if... I'm glad Jesus didn't say to me, he said, now, once you repent, acknowledge your sinner, and trust me in my precious blood, you're forgiven. I'm glad that Jesus didn't say, now, but my forgiveness of you is conditional. You've got to do just right. Listen, our, our forgiveness has to be unconditional. You say, well, brother, I don't, Fred, I don't feel like forgiving. You know why? Because you're hurt. You never will feel like forgiven. Well, I'll just be frank with you. I'm bitter toward him. Well, I understand, but you're never going to be free till you get rid of it. You're not ever going to be free till you get rid of it. I was talking to a person the other day. This person was very sensitive, has a very sensitive, tender spirit. And this person had said three or four things to this individual. And, and they, weren't, they weren't really bad, but they, they just hurt. And uh, I'm telling you, that person couldn't get it off their mind, could not get it off their mind. And they said, I'll tell you how I'm going to get retaliate. I'll tell you how I'm going to get even. And I just listened. I just listened. And when I got up enough courage, I said, look, what she did was wrong. But you don't have a choice. You have to forgive her. You have to let go of that bitterness. Because if you don't, you are not going to be in fellowship with God. And God can't forgive you. He, if you don't forgive, he can't forgive you for your unforgiveness. I'll think about it. There ain't nothing to think about. Either you forgive or disobey God. And so I'm just saying, once God reconciles us to himself through the blood of his son, then God goes about reconciling our, us to others. Some of you have children that won't even call you or speak to you. Some of you have brothers and sisters that act like you don't live. Others, you, others of you have people you work with that treat you like, you know, like you're dirt. Really, they do. But just say, let me say this. Walk in the footsteps of your Savior. 
Nobody could have been worse treated than Jesus. But all he did was forgive them. Forgive them. Now, he warned the Pharisees that they were going to go to hell if they didn't get rid of that legalism. And, but he still loved them. But I want to ask you today. You, you say, Brother Fred, I'm here on Sunday morning. This is June the 17th. Is that right? 17th. And as far as I know, I have been reconciled to God. I know I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I know I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. That's the greatest testimony you could ever give. But can you say this morning, Pastor, I don't have any bitterness toward anyone. I don't have any unforgiveness. Oh, I've been hurt. And I do not approve of what they did. I want you to listen to me. God forgave you and he didn't approve of a thing you did. Forgiveness is not approval. But I can say, Brother Fred, as far as I know, there's nobody I know, living or dead, that I'm bitter toward, that I have not chosen to forgive. God's healing me, and his healing of my emotions is so important. But I'm in the process of being healed. And I'll tell you, I am walking in forgiveness. Walking in forgiveness. And it's only by Jesus who lives in me, and it's only by my obedience to him. Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you. He's talking to you about unforgiveness. He can't forgive you of your unforgiveness until you forgive the person you have unforgiveness toward. I'll tell you, nothing can set you free. Let me just say this. I'm closing. Bitterness, unforgiveness opens the door for the devil. And the Bible says, give no place to the devil. Okay. You swing the door wide open when you're bitter, unforgiving. You swing it wide open and boy, he just goes right in. And it gets worse and worse and worse. I'm telling you, forgiveness is a key to walking in holiness and righteousness and in fellowship. Forgiveness. I pray that you're walking in forgiveness. You know, some people really just won't let go of it. This lady, uh, they had witnessed to her, and she had said, you know, that's good. I mean, I know Jesus died for me, and I know he can forgive me. Uh, and they said, yes, and when Jesus forgives you, you've got to forgive others. She said, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that if I get give my life to Jesus, I've got to forgive so-and-so? They said, yes. And her words were, and she didn't know what she was saying. She said, I'll die and go to hell before I forgive her. That's exactly the words came out of her mouth. I'll die and go to hell before I forgive her. You say, Brother Fred, can anybody be that bitter? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Why do you think they go shoot the boss that fired him? Why do you think it's not safe when you let an employee go who's had a bad relationship with other people that work in that business? Oh, there's no safe place where bitterness and unforgiveness is. But I'll tell you, by the power of Jesus and the power of his blood and the power of his Holy Spirit, you can forgive anybody for anything because that's what God did for you. So don't come whining and whimpering, but I just can't forgive him. Oh, yes, you can. And you make that choice. And God will bless you and you'll be free, free, free. 
You're reconciled to God. <laughs> and even though it may not be a smooth sailing, you're reconciled to your, whoever it is that offended you. And by the way, if they don't know they offended you, don't go tell them. Don't go tell them, please. Well, you don't know it, but I not liked you for three years. I said, oh, my God. Now, every time I see you, that's all I'm going to think about. No, don't go tell them if you don't know, they don't know it. But if your brother knows you have all, has, you know your brother has all against you, then you've got to get it right with him. And it's called forgiveness.